following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, December 12th. I am Josh Dunn, and I am joined by the esteemed Anshu Khanna. Anshu, wow. how are you on this uh, Tuesday evening as we record? Very esteemed. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. How's it going with you, Josh? I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I, we're going to talk some baseball, and uh, we have a lot to go through here with the rumor mill uh, firing up here, and it, you, you kind of feel like things are really going to start heating up as uh, this offseason uh, drives right along. But uh, here in Chicago, we have a lot to be hopeful for, at least, but the big uh, signing here in the last day or two was the Andrew McCutcheon signing. So McCutcheon goes to Philadelphia on a three-year, $50 million deal. Uh, I personally think they may have overpaid a little bit for somebody as old as McCutcheon, but he's had a lot of success in his career. Uh, but what does this do, Anshu, for the chances for Philadelphia uh, to make a couple other power moves here in free agency? Um, well, right now it looks like, by the way, I agree with you. I think that McCutcheon definitely got a couple million too much. I mean, this is a dude who's 32 and by the end of his career, um, you know, who knows what he'll be, uh, at the end of this contract at least. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't think it precludes them from getting Harper, but I, I do think that it, you know, it's basically a hedge. I mean, really like they, they're basically saying we're not going to stop business just because Bryce Harper hasn't made a decision. To, I personally believe that it's kind of one of those like we know what we're getting into situations because if they if they felt really strongly about getting Harper they would have waited on McCutcheon I think um, I really believe that the Phillies are are kind of saying we know our chances are low of getting Harper by doing this I, I mean I'm not saying that Harper's signing anytime soon necessarily I hope he does but um, my guess is yeah I, I think this is not a direct overt preclusion move, but I think that it's it's like their hedge, basically. Do you, do you think McCutcheon, you know, what do you think he brings to this Philadelphia team? Obviously they, you know, are hoping to sign one of those other big names like uh, Bryce Harper, potentially Manny Machado. I mean, they're they're the team in free agency this offseason that's been talked about as being willing to go out and spend a ton of money to bring in some blockbuster names. But, you know, McCutcheon, like you mentioned, he's 32, but he still has put up some productive numbers uh, here in, in recent years when he's been healthy. Uh, you know, he's been a great hitter throughout his career. But do you think that he could be an all-star caliber player here in Philadelphia at this stage in his career? Uh, yeah, I think he still can be. I think he's still an above-average player this year, probably next year. Um, you know, about a three-win player in war and on fan graphs. I mean, I think that... You know, he being on a playoff contending team with the Yankees reinvigorated him late last season. Um, his numbers looked good. 
still not a great he's definitely not the outfielder he was with the pirates in the midway through his career but um still definitely useful they have a ton of pieces i mean even without harper if you think about that lineup they trade for gene segura you know they obviously have now um you know they have mccutcheon uh they you know their lineup is looking pretty solid with reese hoskins and segura and you know they've they've just they've got a bunch of pieces i mean they trade carlos santana but they basically have a bunch i still think they'll be very much in the manny machado stuff um so it, it it's still a talented team um i just don't think that you know i don't think that they're necessarily going to be in the market for harper now necessarily as strongly as they were um and I, I mean they're probably good enough to be right around that mets or you know braves area to contend for that division um but you know they're not they're not the team that they were probably hoping they were going to be going into this offseason it's not over but it kind of feels like a mail-in move to me yeah i mean if they can get machado or or harper that lineup does look pretty scary Ooh. uh you mentioned a lot yeah. of the names segura had a great year last year cesar hernandez had a great year as well so that infield mm-hmm. looking very strong rice hoskins obviously uh, who you mentioned, but if they can plug Machado in there for Mikel Franco at third base, that could be a very, uh, a very powerful infield, and uh, you know that offense can definitely put up some numbers. Uh, if you had to bet, obviously as Chicago White Sox fans, we're hoping that we can land one or two of these free agents as well. Uh, if you were a betting man, which I know you you can be, uh, depending on what day of the week it is, uh, where, where do you see Machado and, and Harper landing? I know the hope is there, but as a realist. I'm not a fan. What, what do you? How do you see this shaking out? If I had to bet, I think Machado goes to the Phillies, and I think Harper goes to the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are trying to make a move like crazy. They're trying like hell to trade Yasiel Puig. There are a lot of rumors about the Reds and the Indians. The two uh, Ohio teams are very much involved, um, from what we've read. I mean, Alex Verdugo is their next man up as far as outfielders go. They could trade him and Puig in a deal for a pitcher and then just basically clear up right field for Harper for the rest of the decade So, or for the next decade. And so, I, I mean, I think that that's – and he's from Vegas. Like I bet he would like to stay around there if he could. Um, so that's that's definitely a possibility. I would say that's close to the likeliest. But I I would honestly say it's like thirty four percent Dodgers, thirty percent White Sox, twenty whatever percent Phillies, and then like ten percent anybody else. You know, I love the quote out of Rick Renteria today. Uh, they asked him what his club's best selling point was. Uh, when they're looking at the free agents here in the off season, and, and he just said in two words, "the future." I mean, you've got to love nice. that as a White love Sox it. fan. Uh, you know, they they've got the money to blow. It's just a it's a function of whether or not these free agents that they're going out and trying to to draw in uh, to, or to lure to Chicago, whether or not they see the same vision for this this team that uh, this the Chicago White Sox has really been building from the ground up. They've made some big deals in dr- trading guys like uh, Sale and and Adam Eaton and. Uh, and others to to try to you know build that that farm system and now you're starting to see some of those guys come up and some of those pitchers now finally starting to pitch at the big league level and you know you've got to be excited as a White Sox fan here looking to next season but you know let's let me play devil's advocate let's say they don't get a free agent a big name free agent here in this offseason if you're the GM of this team you're you're Rick Hahn how do you approach things uh, if you can't land one of the big names uh i you know i think that they've been very clear he and kenny williams have made clear that they are in on the unique talents i think is how they put it so the guys that fit their window um even if they're a year early and they admitted that they're about a year early that would mean machado and harper they've circled this week for two years when they decided to trade chris sale 
they pivoted to this this week you know this winter meetings in vegas um of 2018 as the turning point for the franchise and i think they had a mind they had their eye on chris or on uh, manny machado the whole time now bryce harper's available they can potentially get him for nothing but money and maybe a comp pick I mean, they are in a very unique spot. Jerry Reinsdorf's 82 years old. His other team is complete garbage and a dumpster fire. I, I mean, it's one of those situations that they can absolutely capitalize on. I think that, you know, they're, this is this is the spot for them to make their move because you're just, and they've said this too, they have never, there's no guarantees that any guy is ever going to come free. Yeah, Mike Trout might be available in a couple of years, but he's from Philly. Who knows where he goes if he ever goes because apparently the Angels want to re-sign him. Nolan Arenado would be awesome, but he's 29. He'll be 29 next year, I mean, and, you know, Colorado probably wants to re-sign him too. So the White Sox are in an awesome spot. They, I, they have $5 million, Josh. $5 million is all they have assigned to their roster for 2019, 2020. That's after Jose Abreu comes off the books. Yeah. They'll have some ARB stuff with Eloy Jimenez and some others uh, a couple of years down the line, but it's only Tim Anderson. They literally don't have another guy on their roster. My God. So they're in it. Yes. And he's been awesome, but they're in an amazing place uh, to make this move right now. I, I, the stars are totally aligned. Like I truly believe they will offer the most money for both those guys. If they lose, they lose, let the chips fall where they may. But I think that they are going to step up and, and really put their best foot forward with both these guys. If they lose to like a team like the Dodgers or Yankees for one of them, it is what it is. But I I really think that they will be very close on both. Yeah. And they did make a move uh, today to shore up the rotation as well with uh, Ivan Nova, who, uh, you know, He's posted some inconsistent numbers, but, you know, he's a guy that you can throw in there, obviously with Kopech, you know, suffering from the injury that will put him out for this entire season. Uh, but do you think the, the White Sox continue to try to make moves in their rotation? Obviously, Noah Syndergaard's the big name out there that's been thrown around in trade talks. Oh, now you piques my interest. That is absolutely the guy I would be targeting if they were to get Harper. Um, just because he's got three years of control, you have the prospects to get him without giving up Eloy Jimenez or Mancada or, you know, really any piece that's worthwhile of your future. I mean, yeah, you'd have to give up probably Luis Robert and probably maybe not Dylan Cease, but one of your other pitchers, but you could do that. I mean, you could definitely do that and make that work. And then you, you know, you look at two years from now, you've got Kopik and Cease and, Rodon and Syndergaard and maybe you know maybe guess who's a free agent next year Chris Sale I mean who knows who knows like but just don't I, give I don't him wanna... any throwback uniforms <laughs> that's right or scissors <laughs> but you know like I, I mean I think that they will try to make a move for another you know here's the thing they Han and again Han and Williams have said that they are only going to make moves for players that are going to be meaningful to their long-term success but they traded for Nova they traded for, for Colome I mean Colomay, I mean, I think that they're definitely going to pivot if they do get one of those two guys or not, you know, on the 1% chance, maybe both, that they'll then immediately turn and look at the Dallas Keuchel's and the J-Haps, like the guys that they weren't really considering before. And, you know, there was a rumor, hot rumor there today from Buster only about Yasmani Grandel being a big uh, consideration for the White Sox specifically. So who knows? I mean, he's, they have Wellington Castillo, they traded uh, Omar Narvaez, but... It, it, that could happen too. And now, 
you know, he's the best pitch framer in all of baseball. So that changes everything for them um, in another way as well. So th- it's, it's super exciting. It's not just the White Sox. There are so many teams involved and it's, it's just an awesome time for the Sox given what the, how long the last two years have been, it feels. With everything we just talked about, I mean, we obviously haven't really talked a lot about what they've been willing to let go of this off season, but Matt Davidson doesn't appear to be coming back. Obviously, El Garcia, uh, you know, do you feel like they need to make a move in light of guys like that who have been productive for this team uh, and then being willing to move on from? Uh, I, I think that they don't need to, um, you know, I think that that's like, if they don't get Harper or Machado, like that, that those moves were meant to free up some space for those guys. Um, if they don't get them, you know, it is what it is. And then they can, you know, then they can potentially re-sign Avi Garcia because like no one's really breaking down the doors for Avisel Garcia right now, you know, or Matt Davidson. And if they don't, you know, they're going to have Eloy Jimenez come up three weeks into the season once his service time stuff is a, is solved and they'll be fine. And, and you know, they'll, they probably don't need either of those two guys because they need to open up 650 at bats for Eloy. So um, it kind of is what it is. I don't think that they're going to really miss either of those guys, but I would expect Avi to come back, honestly, if they don't land Machado or Harper. Interesting. We'll see. I, obviously, you know, one of these names is going to drop. I think I think Harper gets signed sooner than Machado. Would you agree? I mean, Machado just recently reported in the last couple of days that he's going to be going on the free agency tour. I think uh, Bryce Harper's kind of already been doing that. And I, I have a... I have an inkling that he's probably got his mind at least narrowed down to to two two or three teams, if not already made up his mind. Um, but do you do you agree that Harper's the first shoe to drop here? Uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely based on what you said about Machado too. You're right. He's allegedly going to go around checking out different teams. Allegedly, the White Sox are one of them. The Phillies are another. The Yankees are another. And then there's some mystery team. Um, but it sounds like there are four teams that are that he's going to go tour. I mean, look, it'd be awesome. Bryce is from Vegas. It makes a ton of sense for him to just make up his mind this week. But if he is going to wait on the Dodgers to make a move with Puig or whoever, then, you know, Scott Boris has proven to be somewhat selective and somewhat patient. I just feel like you're right. Like, how do you not know at this point? Right? Like, he's got to know where he's going. He does. And he probably knows exactly what that deal looks like. And he's just waiting on the right time to, to... To tell everybody what he's decided to do, this Scott Boris gentleman. I mean, he's he's the Drew Rosenhaus of, uh, of of baseball. This guy, every guy, time you guys talk about an agent for a player, it is it is Scott Boris. I mean, does he represent everybody? You all, he represents Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper, which are the primary guys. He does not represent Manny Machado. Dan Lozano does, which is been Ken Rosenthal reported that that's been kind of a thing that those two guys are sort of at odds. And, um, you know, that one is waiting for the other to sign. I just feel like Harper has less to gain from just waiting for Machado, where I think Machado has more to gain by waiting for Harper and seeing what the market is set at. Like, whatever, Machado's not going to sign for more than Harper. Like, there's a 99% chance that Harper signs for more. So he has nothing really to wait on except for maybe seeing what goes on with the Dodgers. But my feeling is he knows where he's going and um, I would hope he'll, sign, he'll pick it soon for all our sanity, if nothing else. Yeah, and hopefully he picks Chicago. It'd be nice to see. Oh, uh, be it'd so be nice awesome. to see one or two of those guys in pinstripes. But uh, do you think? What do you think? Do you think he signs here? I mean, the fan in me wants to say yes, but 
I, I just I feel like he's going to go to somebody who's more ready to win now, and I, that's why I think LA makes sense. And you know what Philadelphia is doing to to bolster their roster, and you know they've got a lot of young talent there. Making the move for Segura is an excellent move. I mean, he I, I love Gene Segura last year. Um, obviously, he was hurt for portions of the year, but I think he provides a lot to that uh, that lineup as well. And you know, to get a guy like Bryce, I, I think would be uh, a real game changer for the for the Phillies but I, I don't know I, I think that it, it's definitely possible that they could bring in Machado we talked a lot uh, last year about the hopes of getting Machado and what he could do for this team uh, and you know having that obviously Latin influence I think is is key in that in that clubhouse True. they've got a ton of uh, a ton of guys from uh, you know Central America South America that, that speak the language and uh, you know I think that could be uh, that could be a key for them so we'll see we'll see what they could do um, I'm hoping that we can get one of the big names but you know the, the the key here that that I think that both you and I are starting to recognize is how confident their front office and their their staff seems to be about being able to, to be a destination that can land one of these guys, and I just love seeing that. They're so they're just swagging or swaggering around. I mean, Ken Williams. You know, we hear from him maybe once or twice a year, and he's at the meetings just straight up being like, "Now's the time. We're doing this," and it's just like, God, I you know, I was glad when Rick Hahn basically got the job, but some of me misses like the old Ken Williams basically trading for every old veteran, like way after the fact and just making like way too many ridiculous moves and just giving absolutely zero about his farm system. But um, you know, that P that aggressiveness is kind of what they need right now. I think as far as attacking free agency with a certain level of aggression that, you know, they just, they just need it. That was missing, I think in the last few years. And it's fun to see the White Sox, being you know in the center of these discussions in a positive way not in a tanking way yeah and i think that that the, the level of respect that they're starting to garner reminds me a lot of the north siders in chicago yeah. and what theo epstein was able to bring and, and you know guys believing in his vision and i think people are starting to see that that's there's a similar vision here on the south side of chicago with what they've been able to do to bolster that farm system and you know i think that that can be attractive to a veteran guy trying to come in here and and be a leader on a team that has a lot of young talent and i that's why I, part of me wants to, you know, buy into that fan in me thinking that there's a chance. And I, I don't think we're too far-fetched for thinking that there is a legitimate shot for us to get one or both of those guys. Um, yeah. And, and I think it would be I, awesome you know, if they did. The pivot moment, I thought, for the Cubs, obviously signing um, Joe Madden and, and hiring Epstein and Hoyer and all those guys – was huge, but signing John Lester was like the huge turnaround for them. That was when everyone realized they were like a real thing. And John Lester at the time was the best player on the market. I think you got the opportunity at that here, but even like magnified because Bryce Harper's only 26 and he's such a mega star. I mean, he's the he face of the, the game. He's the face of the game. I would exactly. say. I mean, he's, he might not be the best player in the game, but he's the most recognizable player in the game. I think Mike Trout's the best no player in the game. But, you know, Bryce Harper is the person you think of when you think of Major League Baseball right now. 100%. I mean, he's got even, you know, you can say what you want about the gentleman, Scott Boris, which I agree with. Um, but he's like he talked about Harper's Bazaar and how you're you're signing an icon. You're not just signing Bryce Harper. You're signing the brand. And, you know, it's the hair and the beard and the whole thing. And I think that he is he's just so and he's like generally a clean cut dude um i read today that he's mormon by the way did not know that um news to but, me. yeah that's news but it would just be so so cool for a franchise like the white Sox to get a guy like that because of all the stuff that you're saying too just the 
this is a team that's suddenly for real and it gives Rick Hahn and Ken Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf so much credibility if they were able to do that. It's not like a super team situation. I mean, it's it's really a team, a player attaching himself to an organization that he trusts fully and an agent attaching himself to a team that he trusts fully, which would it would just mean a ton to the fan base and, you know, and really to Rick Hahn, I think. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I I actually didn't expect this to go as zero bias as it did, but I am all for it all day. Uh, you know, and <laughs> especially sure. now that we actually have a chance to be contenders again. It's been we I mean, we've we've waited a long time and since I've known you, my friend, we have not really seen a good White Sox team, so it would be excellent to be able no. to attend some of those games when they're actually competitive and uh and see these these guys playing with some of the youngsters that we've brought up, like we talked about, I'm I'm very excited about it. I'm looking forward to next year. Even if we can't sign one of those big name free agents, I think we'll be able to do enough this off season to at least at least make the the White Sox interesting in in the near future, which is very exciting stuff. Um, not so exciting in, in Minnesota, though. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit of football. We did have the Monday night game. Uh, the the Seahawks were able to win at home, 21 to seven. This was a very very poor uh, showing from both teams, I thought. It's, it, it, Russell Wilson, uh, did you see the, the throw he had right at the end of the first half? Yes. I don't know if you were watching the game. Well, but Maybe the worst throw yeah, I've ever I, seen. I couldn't even believe it. So that, that interception was awful. But even more, the, the quarterback on the other side here in Minnesota – uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, we talked about this being an opportunity for him to prove that his worth $84 million guaranteed. Uh, he just continues to look very mediocre as a quarterback. And in this game in particular, he looked terrible. Uh, I just, I, I don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to be a guy on any team that, that is able to get them over any type of hump. But uh, the Vikings, they, they ended up making a big move and fi- firing their offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo. There's been a lot of talks that Mike Zimmer and him did not see eye to eye. And, you know, that's been proven now with the firing. Uh, Anshu, what is going on in Minnesota? I know you love seeing this implosion as a Packers fan, but uh, do you think this team can do anything to turn this season around after that poor showing on Monday night? Um, yeah, I mean, they could, I, I, I'm, I'm not shocked that they fired him. I'm, if you had told me before the season though, if I had told you that they were going to replace Pat Shermer and Case Keenum and Jarek McKinnon with, you know, John Filippo, um, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook, like how do you get worse? How do you get so much worse that you're now out of the playoffs that you're firing your offensive coordinator? I can't believe that part of it. If you had told me before the season, I just would have been absolutely stunned. And you can't say that Kirk cousins doesn't have ridiculously good weapons. I mean, Dalvin cook has been hurt a lot of the year, but Latavius Murray played great in his absence. And you have, two of the better receivers in the NFC, if not the league, in, in Diggs and uh, Thielen. So I just don't get yeah. how this team hasn't been able to piece it together on the offensive side of the ball. And I that's why I'm saying I, you have to look to Cousins. Yeah, I mean, I totally – I think that Cousins is to blame more than Filippo here. I, I really think that is a good mind. I still think he'll get head coaching interviews. I don't think he'll get a job probably this offseason, but I'm I'm a fan of him generally. I think that he's a good coordinator. He just there's so much mixed messages with and this is the issue when you hire a defensive coach and have like an offensive guru because the offensive guy is gonna want to pass generally. Um and that's exactly what Jay D, John D. Filippo wanted to do. And, you know, Zimmer wants to establish the run. It creates these weird dynamics. They tried to establish the run yes last night. They were a total shit show. They could not run at all. They would try to achieve perfect balance. They they got like two yards of carry, 
And then on passing downs, it was just obvious they were going to. And, you know, you're on the road at night in Seattle, the hardest place to play in the league. And what do you expect is going to happen? So I, you know, I think obviously some of this is D Filippo's fault as far as sequencing, but a lot of it is on cousins and some of it's on the offensive line too, by the way. But you know, I, I just don't think Kirk Cousins is very good. I've said it all along. I don't know how they pay. I know that's the going rate. You just don't see good or average quarterback switch teams generally. This guy is like, I mean, with those weapons, to your point, I don't get how he's not better than he is. Yeah, and I don't like the way that they've used Dalvin Cook since he has gotten healthy. I mean, he's 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 done well when they've gotten him the ball in space. I mean, he's he's a screen game type of running back, uh, and they just haven't really utilized him. When they do try to get the run game going, they're running between the tackles with a guy who's not a between the tackles guy. And I just with a bad offensive line. By y- the way. Yeah, you you got to get him out in space, and and when they do that, when they get when they get digs out in space on screen plays, things tend to happen. Yes. Po- positively, but when they're trying to run the ball in between the tackles or they're trying to utilize their, their two tight end sets. I mean, I just, I watched these drives when they, they were in this game really for most of it. And that's just because their defense was able to keep them in the game, but their offense just could not move the ball down the field. And when they did, they made poor decisions and there was bad play calling. So, you know, I think it is a good move for them to move on from, from Filippo just because I know Mike Zimmer had a, has a different philosophy on on how to manage games offensively, uh, and he is okay with relying on the defense and trying to rely on the run game because I think he realizes what Kirk Cousins is. But I just I just don't know where this team goes from here. It's not going to get any easier. There, there. I think that this this Vikings team has a, a real likelihood of probably missing the playoffs. And where do you go after a team that had such high expectations? Uh, you know, you 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 make the signing of the off season at least. You know, in what everybody's eyes, the, the the one quarterback who was going to get paid this offseason, and he's been terrible. And and your defense, you know, even though they, you know, have played pretty well for most of the time, they can't win games for you. You cannot win games with just a defense. Yes, the Bears have won games because of a great defense, but they scored in positions where they've needed to. Whereas I don't think this Minnesota's team has done a good enough job of that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. My uh, Minnesota down the stretch has Miami at home who just came off that absurd win uh, against New England, and I'm pretty much done betting against them because it's just gotten ridiculous. Uh, at Detroit and then Chicago at home. So, And Chicago could potentially be playing for a bye, probably not, but maybe. And don't so, forget, Chicago has to play the uh, the Packers again, correct? So That's right. Chicago's got to win these games down the stretch. They cannot go and lose to Minnesota and, and, and Green Bay. They just can't. So I don't – nor do I see them doing that, especially when they have an opportunity to play, you know, against the Kirk Cousins and, and this Vikings team that we just talked about how bad they've been playing. But I could see – I could see your boys beating them, so – um, oh, it's it's a tough look for for the Vikings, the Seahawks. They didn't really impress me in this game either. Uh, they did enough to win, but you know I, I don't know that I'm necessarily fearful of this Seahawks team in the playoffs. Uh, but that defense, for one, is definitely starting to come together at the right time. Yeah, I think at home they're going to be tough to beat, um, and they are not going to have a home game because the Rams already have that division sewed up. So, you know, the Seahawks team is going to have to travel. Um, I think that if they end up playing the Bears on the road, that's a winnable game. But they're basically like a slightly worse version, right, of the of the Bears. Um, so I don't think their defense is as good. I don't think it'll travel as well. Um, so, you know, if that's the case, and I don't know, then or they potentially play at Dallas. Basically, that first round's not going to matter because then when you turn around and you have to go to New Orleans or to L.A., it's all over for you. And uh, I think those teams are just on a crash course. So all this stuff, we'll see what happens. 
weapons. I mean, I think, you know, maybe if the Vikings get hot with the new offensive coordinator, they could be interesting. Carolina's got to beat New Orleans twice. If they somehow do that and they make the playoffs, then fine. They are they are now a dangerous team. But otherwise, you know, none of these teams are going to make much noise. I know, you know, the Bears defense did a lot against the Rams, but are they going to go to L.A. or to New Orleans and repeat that? I, I don't necessarily see it. So to me, the NFC is clearly just a two-team race at this point. I don't disagree with you, my friend. Uh, we will be doing a lot more to preview this weekend's games. And for a lot of you guys, you'll be in your fantasy football uh, semifinals in a lot of cases. So uh, if you have not listened to it yet, please check out the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Anshu and I. Uh, it's a new show that we're releasing for you guys monthly, or excuse me, weekly. We're uh-huh. talking, yeah, monthly. We're talking uh, <laughs> We're talking a lot of fantasy football right now, but we're, we're also kind of walking you through some DFS uh, things and, and, and talking, uh, we'll get to talking a lot of fantasy basketball as we close out the NFL season. But if you have not had an opportunity, please check us out on that show. Uh, Anshu, I'll start us out with an oh, by the way. So I'm, I'm moving to the NBA. We haven't talked much NBA here recently. A couple big injuries in the NBA. Lou Williams is going to miss two to three weeks for my Clippers, and the Clippers have actually uh, been playing some pretty good ball this year. They're sitting at the four seed in the West, just a game back of Golden State for the one seed. Uh, also, Tristan Thompson of my Cleveland Cavaliers went down with a foot sprain last night. His x-rays were negative, uh, but he's going to miss two weeks to a month. Also, the Cavs bringing in Matthew Della Vadova in a trade that sent George Hill uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so it's nice to have Delhi back in Cleveland. Uh, but speaking of you know guys on the move from or to Cleveland, J.R. Smith, we talked a lot about him. Uh, it's been rumored that the Houston Rockets are now interested in J.R. Smith. And Anshu, I don't know if anybody would have believed this if I said it at the beginning of the year, but the Houston Rockets are sitting at the number 14 seed in the Western Conference. And I just found oh. that absolutely staggering. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Uh, looks like That's they're going to get a win here tonight. But that is just insane that they're actually – the only team that they're ahead of in the Western Conference is the Phoenix Suns, who have the worst record in the NBA. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh man, you would—they were easily the second favorite in the West in, in, before the season. And by the way, the Thunder, number one in the West—that's pretty wild as far as winning percentage goes. So, Especially after their slow start. Yeah, they've yeah they were really slow to start. They've they've turned it around. So uh, the West is wild right now. The Jazz are out of the playoffs too. That's. It's crazy to me. The NBA, you know, generally you think you know what's going to happen and then uh, it flips you on your head a little bit at times. So this might be one of those transition years for sure. But it, um, um, also worth mentioning from one to 14 in the Western Conference, the first place team is only separated by six and a half games from the 14th place. Oh, team. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy, too. Yeah, that's that is crazy. Speaking of crazy, Mayo, by the way, tonight has to do with the stupid Chicago Bulls, the worst franchise in all of sports. <laughs> These idiots, I mean, there more and more comes out uh, about John Paxson and how this this whole situation has gone with Jim Boylan. Um, basically, now Boylan saying um, that, you know, he's he's basically doubled down on his idea of wanting them to run. They asked him, you know, how can you possibly hope to sign free agents? Who would ever want to come play here um, when you're running people into the ground after 56-point losses? And he basically said, listen, we don't want free agents here that aren't going to want to run after losing by 56 at home. And it's just one of those things where he's so clearly tone deaf. This locker room is a disaster. I mean, you fire Fred Hoiberg just to try to retake the locker room and, and then you lose it immediately, literally within days of hiring this new guy. I do not. I, I honestly have no idea. This, this is officially Mike Tyson territory as Bill Simmons likes to say, where there is 
anything's in play. I mean, John Paxson could get fired. Actually, that's probably not going to happen. But literally anything else is in play. The Bulls are such a complete and utter cluster. I mean, I could see that the Bulls literally filed a grievance with the Players Union. That's how bad it got. Um, you know, they've got group texts. Everyone's leaking everything to every media source out there. I mean, can you think of a worse scenario in all of pro sports right now? I can't. And it's it just sucks as a Bulls fan. It's so hopeless. And uh, luckily, Jerry Reinsdorf's other team is in much better shape. Yeah, the only thing I could say that would be stupider in the NBA right now is uh, Steph Curry saying that he doesn't believe that NASA landed on the moon. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that one, but uh, Steph, Curry, Steph Curry's doubling down on Kyrie Irving's conspiracy theory oh, nonsense. And I, I just – it's just it's just crazy. That's not my oh by the way, but that is uh, that is. I'm trying to just make you feel a little bit better for how horribly this this uh, <laughs> uh, Bulls front office and and coaching oh, staff God. is handling this transition. But uh, but yeah. So hey, it, NBA season's in full swing. It'll be Christmas before we know it. You know, Christmas Day basketball. Uh, in the the past few years, as as we've had Cavs Warriors last year and some really good games, is almost as exciting as Thanksgiving football, which we're not too far removed from. So we're in a good transition in the sports world, uh, but not so much in the Bulls' uh, Chicago home here. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll be following it closely. Hopefully, they can turn things around. But uh, it's just it's not a good it's not a good place to be here in Chicago uh, if you're wearing a Bulls jersey. Uh, but aren't you anything la- uh, lastly to add here for the good of the group? Nope. Have a good uh, hump day. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. (laughs) 